0: We're Sorry, the number you dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the tale of the Tate. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRank.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRank.com. Welcome back to the Tale of the Tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 127 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the Tale of the Tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, man? What up, brother? I'm thinking about hanging it up after this episode.
1: I mean, the way that we predicted that fight last weekend, I don't think (laughs) we can come out looking any better
0: that's a drop the mic moment isn't it (laughs) drop the mic moment that's right lots to talk about from santa cruz versus frampton the main event of the past weekend that delivered on every level um lots to break down in depth regarding the wba featherweight championship not much to preview just one fight andre ward versus alexander brand Vince says he's not watching it so we may not even preview or i'll just say something about it i got nothing to say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man it'll be short and sweet but we promise to deliver um some good insight and analysis um and do justice to the fight that delivered in santa cruz versus frampton you're tuned in episode 127 of the tale of the tape boxing podcast i'm kenny keith vince cummings follow us on twitter at kenny keith jr at vince cummings 81 and of course the show at the boxing rant vim We need people to subscribe. We need people to leave reviews on iTunes. We have fans across the world. I wanted to talk about this for a second before we got into the show, that we review our numbers monthly to see where our audience is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, And over the last two years, the audience has shifted. Year one, primarily, our audience was U.S.-based. We had a little bit, um, I'd say probably 20% was from Europe, the U.K., and Sweden primarily. Right. Right. And then things started to change a little bit, and as the show became more and more and more popular, now our viewing statistics have officially made us. And I know we're ranked very high in the U.K. boxing uh, ratings as it is on iTunes, Mm -hmm. but we are officially a U.K.-based podcast that records here in the United States because over 50% of our listeners come from the great motherland, the United Kingdom. Hey, we at least we're speaking to you, to uh, some of the casuals, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's ironic. the The U.S. audience has shrunk just a little bit. Ten percent of our audience now is from Australia. I'll tell you what's even more
1: ironic is the guy we're about to talk about in the in this fight last this past weekend. Carl Frampton is kind of the guy who launched our U.K. as We did one episode that was based about, on Carl Frampton. I don't know, a year and a half ago. Oh, it was
0: episode 37. Yeah. Carl
1: uh, Frampton rising. A long time ago. And that we picked up a huge UK viewership from that show alone. And that's kind of where the popularity of our show really took off.
0: Yeah, we got to give some credit to a uh, uh, regular on the show contributor to the site, Steve Wellings, as well, um, over there at the Boxing Asylum podcast. Has been a big help as well. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, man, it just goes to show you the kind of fans that are in the United Kingdom because... We love the sport so much, and we invest so much time in trying to analyze it and, and, and really try to understand it because we learn something new about it all the time. Right. But our UK fans have been really uh, uh, positive. Um, they're constantly spreading the word about the podcast. We appreciate it so much. So we thought we'd just give a shout-out and let you all know that half of the uh, listening audience of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast, which could go anywhere from you know 4,000 to 10,000 views on an episode – uh, if you combine all platforms combined, I mean, to say that that many are from the United Kingdom is uh, is, is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I'm so surprised that that's where we've ended up. Man, I, I, would, I would have never thought that. No, no, neither would I. Uh, but we appreciate all of you, no matter where you are from, for tuning in. If you have not subscribed, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and, of course, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And we'd also like to announce... That coming next week, and it'll be brought to you ev- every single Wednesday. Uh, the launch of a new podcast from the creators of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast, which would be Vin and yours truly. We will be bringing you a new take on the Sports Roundtable with the new podcast, Sports Rant Radio, covering the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, um, any big event in sports. We're going to bring it to you with the honesty, truth, and analytics that we try to deliver with every episode of the Tale of the Tape. We're going to bring it to a broad sports program. Hey, listen, I know that 50% of our listeners are in the UK then, but I'm not so much sure how much soccer is going to be on the show, but we promise boxing, so please tune in. <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere, right? <laughs> we're trying to build an American uh, fan base here. We got to
1: talk <laughs> something other than soccer.
0: Yeah, yeah we'll be welcoming uh, special guests throughout, uh, but the primary host of the show, We'll be Vince, myself, and we're bringing Slippin' Jimmy. Some of you all remember him um, from uh, episodes of the Boxing Rant Live as we brought you fight calls um, from fights throughout the past year. Uh, Mike Simons will be uh, the third head and uh, guest experts, local D.C. aficionados, Washington Nationals, Capitals fan Mike Schwartzbeck will be dropping by. Um, but we'll be talking everything major American sports and all the biggest headlines and stories uh, in a two-hour format weekly, we'll do picks and predictions. Yeah. P- you know, dude, all the money that... He- dude, Vince and I are millionaires because of our gambling. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? Multi-multi... Mul- no, actually, we're not. But we'll still give you picks. And uh, if you ride with us, eh, we've been known to win some big ones, but... uh <laughs> you may want to trust your own judgment. It might be other
1: a, a long ride before you get there. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I figure between you, myself, and Mike, uh, we'll give them some options. Well, yeah, one one of us will get it right. Yeah, absolutely. College football season on the horizon. The NFL. I, I know the uh, in the UK, the NFL has gotten huge, and our home team here, Vince, is not a fan of the team. But the Washington Redskins will be playing in uh in London this year.
1: Well, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing plenty of keeping you uh, Redskins fans in check on that show. <laughs>
0: Oh, I hope so, man. I hope so. (laughs) Bring us back down to the levels of reality. Um, But we appreciate all of you tuning in, and we hope you guys will make the journey over to the new show, Sports Rant Radio. Because guess what? Boxing is going to be slow over the next few weeks, and we are going to be taking the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast, The Boxing Rant, We'll be moving to Sports Rant Radio. You'll be able to access the same episodes as new episodes of the Tale of the Tape. It'll be no different except you will get a taste of the new show with the Tale of the Tape mixed in until boxing comes back full bore, and then we'll be delivering new episodes constantly.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense, man, right?
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Bring,
1: bring the fan base with us. I'm telling you all right now, if you like this show, you're a sports fan, we're not going to give you watered-down bullshit. You, 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 you know what you get here. I guarantee you're going to like what you get from the Sports Rant Radio show, man.
0: Absolutely. So give the show a follow. The debut episode is next week. But follow us on Twitter at Sports Rant Radio. All right. Awesome plug, man. Um, we are eight minutes into the show. Yes, we, <laughs> we have boxing. So let's get to the main event, then. Let's just get right down to the action. One hell of a fight. One hell of a fight, no doubt. Can't say it any better. Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, Showtime. Leo Santa Cruz defending his WBA light featherweight title against the Jackal, Carl Frampton. Vince, this fight, we've been talking to a lot of people on Twitter. This was a fight that we had been studying throughout the years. I mean, I I remember making guest appearances on other podcasts talking about this fight a year and a half ago, dude.
1: Oh, yeah. Frampton's had his eyes on Santa Cruz since 2013. And by the looks of it,
0: uh, you know what I mean? I think... uh, Uh, they knew what they they know what they're doing. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing, man. But th- you know, Vince, you predicted, you were emphatic on the point that this was going to be a fucking awesome fight. Yes. I mean, it just had every ingredient.
1: Now, you just you can't take you can't look at what Carl Frampton has been at, as a fighter against fighters very similar to Leo Santa Cruz. And then you're going to y- you look at what Santa Cruz is, he's even a, a an even more fast forward version of the pressure fighters that Frampton's been in against that have yep. put him to the test and made him look really good. I, I mean, I just thought it was, there was no way this was. This was can't miss. Yeah, and, and,
0: and it really was. I mean, from the onset of the fight, man, um, you kind of saw how this thing was going to play out. Started off in the favor of Frampton pretty heavily in the early rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that scored early rounds for Santa Cruz um, usually gave him the fourth round was a consistent round. Yeah, I gave him the fourth. Um, but, you know, for me personally, man, um, there were some tight moments. There were some moments where Frampton almost seemingly got himself out of a little position. You kept pointing towards he, you know, in moments and spots he was backing up from Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. and he would get caught in those moments. But I thought, you know, I had it scored seven three through ten. So so going into the final frames, the fight was already won, barring a knockdown or something miraculous on my cards. And I was comfortable with it because I really thought that Carl Frampton did exactly what we thought he was going to do: land the harder. More emphatic punches. Mm-hmm. His check hook. His defense was uncanny. This was the best defensive performance we've seen from Frampton. And, and he got hit a lot, but you
1: have to. He think did. You have to keep into perspective getting hit a lot when a guy throws a thousand punches, and they're all straight. And, and if, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I, I, I wish I could go back and had a counter, and 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 just could count how many punches he dodged, because there was points in time in that fight where Frampton made him miss seven, eight. 10 punches in a row yeah and if he was touching them just barely on the end of the punch barely touching frampton's face it was some of the best shifty he just kept him off balance with just back and forth movement in and out and and, and let's be honest ken santa cruz has never faced a fighter that does anything like what frampton does it just he was faced with a fight where it was like yeah I've never had to make an adjustment against a guy that can box this well and is fucking very athletic, man. Yeah, That is one thing that people slept on coming into this fight is the athleticism of Carl Frampton. The dude is quick. He strikes. He gets in and out. He gets in and out side to side, in and out, uses angles. His footwork was unbelievable. I I just think this was – I mean, we've seen him in some great performances. In my opinion, this was by far his best performance in a fight, and he brought it to – The biggest fight to this point in his career, and you really—I mean—that's a—that's something special. When a fighter gets to that point, you think they're special, but when they get to the level where somebody pushes them that extra step, and they prove that they've got that next gear, I, I, dude, I'm just so impressed with what he was able to do in that fight, man.
0: Yeah, I think you know there were all these questions coming out of Crawford Postal to us, like what you know, what about this, you know, what about this, what about this, and our response to all of it was the moments where. The gap was closed. The moments where Crawford seemingly had his hand around Postal's throat. He let him off the hook. What we saw, to speak to uh, what you were talking about with the shiftiness, right? Mm-hmm. To talk about his defense. What he did was Crawford did a lot of that too, right? Against Postal. Yeah. Yeah. A real big difference was is that when Frampton was doing it, he was looking for an offensive counter. And there were multiple times in the fight where these defensive exchanges were happening where Santa Cruz is punching, and he's bobbing and weaving, bobbing and weaving. And then as he's about to roll out, he doesn't just wheel out like Crawford did with his hands up. He would wheel out and piece Santa Cruz up with just a one-two pop-up. Pop. And that left check hook was vicious all night long. And Frampton uh, came true to the prediction that he would be the fighter in this fight that landed the more emphatic Mm -hmm. and harder punches because when when Frampton hit Santa Cruz, there was a noticeable difference in the way that Santa Cruz reacted to the punches than did Frampton from Santa Cruz.
1: Absolutely. I think after he caught him in the second round and staggered him, sent him back into the ropes with that left, I think you noticed a bunch of other times, at least a handful of times in the fight where Frampton landed a big shot. And I'm not going to say it staggered Santa Cruz, Stopped him, but it stopped him dead in his tracks, and even, even thwarted him and pushed him backwards a little bit. I, I I don't think a lot of people expected to see that. I think the 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 biggest thing I would take away from this fight with Santa Cruz on on his on his end is the kid's got to learn how to make adjustments. It, it it cannot be just one speed. It cannot be straight punches. There has to be. He he worked in straight lines. He threw straight punches. He got in predictable patterns. When he did have his nice stretch of the fight, I would say between rounds four and rounds 10, which is when he won half of the rounds probably, it was because he started jabbing and jabbing his way in. But when he just rushed forward, throwing two punches, and we even saw Frampton make the adjustment later on in the fight because McQuigan, a good trainer in a corner, was letting him know, you're backing straight out. Why aren't you, when you're backing straight out, plant and throw a short right and he started to do it and he was destroying Santa Cruz with that punch because he's he almost runs forward I mean it's very very close to a Sean Porter except the only difference is Santa Cruz's punches are in tight he he's working within himself where Porter kind of gets wide loops hooks it's it's the same type of thing he and they used it they used his aggression to their advantage the uh, Frampton did and Leo Santa Cruz has got to learn and hopefully he did in this fight. Dude, you, you're going to have to box sometimes. You really are. You, you you gave that fight away by fighting the way you you fought. Frampton wanted you to do that. You walked into him being able to slide, catch you at angles, and just you weren't ready for it. It was too quick. The boxing was too damn good for him, period.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, people were speaking about Carl Frampton's movement um, and his footwork in the fight, mm-hmm. and, you know, I didn't hear a lot of noise except from those that were crying travesty, uh, you know, on the Leo Santa Cruz end for whatever reason, saying that oh he ran and he look. I'd like to make a huge, a huge comparison here that really delineates the differences between a runner and a boxer, mm-hmm. right? Because what Crawford did against Postal, what Keith Thurman did against Leonard Bundu, what Errol Lara did against Canelo, that was not movement to set the opponent up. That was not movement to um, c- confuse and reset the fighter. That was movement for those fighters to reset themselves offensively, yes. to get away from the opponent, to reset themselves offensively. What Carl Frampton was doing was moving just enough to make Santa Cruz reset. He wasn't moving to avoid punishment. He wasn't moving to get hit because anytime he went lateral, Santa Cruz didn't didn't throw any punches. Santa Cruz can't move laterally or cut off the ring. That was proven. No. So did, did did Carl have to move that much? He really only had to take one step to the side and pivot, and Santa Cruz would have to reset his entire attack. Yep. Meanwhile, Frampton already has him sized up and already has him at range.
1: Yeah, it, it was impressive stuff. And, you know, look, I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was so confident that that's how I saw the fight going. No,
0: you were nervous. Oh, I, I,
1: I think anybody that picked Frampton was nervous. It was we're, a close fight. Yeah. Well, and you just, you never know what the fighter like Santa Cruz is, is he, he's not Antonio Margarito. No. You know what I mean? He's not a featherweight version of that, but that was, that was proven by what Frampton did and what that was able to prove is. What scared us going into that fight, thinking that Santa Cruz may be a Margarito type. Well, he's not. Frampton was able to prove that with the, with the right style, the right boxing, the right movement, and looks a lot of times on the inside and when they got tight, subtle movement. Now, he got out and spun out and, and made big moves and got out and made Santa Cruz reset a bunch and, and, and completely turned the, the action around in the ring. But a lot of times on the inside, people sleep on the subtle Subtle things that Frampton does to create space yeah. to find a shot, and he dude, he's pinpoint on the inside. His accuracy is pinpoint.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I saw the same thing, man. I mean, look, we saw you know against Quig when Quig finally pulled his head out of his ass and started fighting in the second half of that fight. You know, we saw Frampton when Quig tried to apply pressure and lay on him and push on him and be the bigger guy. What did Frampton do? Frampton fought just right back. Fought right Dug back. In. Dug in. Put it. Planted his front foot sat down on his punches, and was able to, to keep Quigg's attack at bay simply by doing that. See, with Santa Cruz, he knew this wasn't going to be Quig. There was going to be no opportunity. We talked about this in the preview, that Santa Cruz was going to lay down and, and there was going to be these feeler out rounds. Santa yeah. Cruz was going to come forward because that's exactly what he does the entire time. But something I spoke to in the preview as well, something we've always talked about, for as nice as a kid as Leo Santa Cruz is, when it comes to his boxing ability, sometimes I, I, I'm curious. Is he throwing punches to contact, or is he just throwing punches? Sometimes I feel like he's literally throwing punches and bunches. He's literally just throwing all that he can against the fucking windshield. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And hopes that it lands. Because, look, if, what, if I, for every ten punches I throw... If I land three of them, well, if I throw 100 of them, i land 30 of them.
1: Well, and, yeah, what what's scored as power shots for Santa Cruz, is, is to me, is I, I, I don't get behind it because a lot of the times he's just throwing these real short, straight punches coming forward. And I think another thing that was proven is he don't have jack shit on his shots.
0: No, he's got no power.
1: He could not back Frampton up at all. The only way he is stopping somebody is by beating them down. I mean, he's just in his arms are in perpetual motion. So it, it kind of almost looks like at times in fights with him, he's throwing so many damn punches that you don't even remember which ones connected and which didn't. You just remember that he was all over this guy, and he didn't stop throwing punches, so he won the fucking round.
0: And and look, a a seasoned, classically trained boxer like Carl Frampton, with the athleticism and the accuracy that he possesses, A fighter like Leo Santa Cruz, at some point, it becomes repetitious. Mm -hmm. At some point, you begin to time that. Because he's not concerned about the power, so he's actually able to focus in on the velocity of the punches and when the punches are coming at him. And he's fast enough and has the reflexes to be able to punch in between it.
1: And guess what? You know what you got to do to kind of put somebody like that and stop them in their tracks is hit them hard one time. And you did. I, I think he felt Frampton's power early. And look, Santa Cruz threw a thousand punches. Still threw a thousand, but he was, at times, was backed off by Frampton and was not as aggressive as we have seen him in other fights.
0: If the ropes weren't there in the second round, does he go flying into the crowd? Uh, I, he
1: yeah, he's gonna have to use his gloves <laughs> on the on the canvas to stay up. Yeah. There's another two three feet there probably.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a, man, that was a hard shot. It was. That was a hard shot, dude. They were. He recovered quick. He did. Santa Cruz has got a hell of a chin. That's that's for sure. Because Frampton hit him with some huge shots. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did, and they came quick in succession. I mean, look, I think it's time now for everybody to stop, you know, harping on, you know, recent fights of Carl Frampton. If you really want to know about this kid, go back, watch the film, watch the footage. It's there. There's tons and tons of footage of him training. Um, Dude, the guy is a gym rat. He is an elite fighter. He is now easily in the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Um, When the new pound-for-pound rankings come out, he will be in the top 10. And you know what, man? He has just done something to speak to, to expand on a point you made earlier. Vince, he just unified in the same year. He just unified the 122-pound division and then moved up in weight and fought arguably the best featherweight and took his belt. On the road both times? Is he, yes, on the road both times. Is he the leader in the clubhouse right now for 2016? fighter of the year. I don't think there's any question. I mean, who... Name a fighter that's accomplished more
1: than that. You know, Take a take out what you thought of the Quig-Frampton fight, whether, whether you thought it was a horrid, fucking boring fight. At uh, times it was. Yes, it wasn't the greatest fight ever. But that doesn't take away from the accomplishment of winning and unifying a division on the road in Quig's... Against a rival. In Quig's hometown, which basically pretty much ended up being a Frampton crowd anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and then in New York, which was... Leo Santa Cruz's home country, not his hometown. Uh, it still
0: ended up being a Frampton crowd. Dude, in between the first and
1: second round, the crowd was singing Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was unbelievable the support he got. Yeah. I mean, that was a great, great crowd. That's another thing. That was one thing that's been missing in fights in this country for a long time is the atmosphere at that fight was unbelievable, man. In between rounds, everybody out of their seats, loud as hell, just a great atmosphere. Something that we miss a lot in this country at fights.
0: Yeah, and you know it happens in this country still, but it's usually in a you know at a California fight Mm -hmm. or a Texas fight, or it happens every once in a while in a New York fight. Yes, you know about a brawl. Yeah, but it'll be like you know in what in twenty fourteen. It was Codo Martinez. Right. right. And that was the crowd of the year that, that year. Yep. We went to one of the uh, best crowds in 2015, and that was a smaller venue, but the crowd was perfect, and it was a perfect size venue for Matisse and Provodnikov. Yep, yep. Um, and, you know, but the vast majority of fights, I would say probably 90% of the top-level fights in the United States are staged in the wrong place at the wrong time for the wrong amount of money, and it's the wrong fucking fight to begin with. Yeah. Thank you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Carl Frampton, where does he go from here, Vince? Is it a rematch in California in santa Cruz's backyard I don't know what the hell that was I mean that
1: was the most ridiculous shit and yeah I'm not going to sit here and badmouth the kid i don't I'm not even sure he really even knows what he's saying I, you know does
0: he know that frampton's not american i don't not, I'm not
1: sure it's the first time he's been to New york <laughs> he's got money there's why have you not been to New York? Yeah, why is this kid that that's a problem this is after coming out of this fight, this should be a wake-up call to fighters that want to fight in their, their little bubble of their own hometown and fight nobodies for five, six years, never challenge themselves, ne- never face anything in the ring that's going to force you to become a better fighter. And you get what happened to Santa Cruz. He's out of his element in his own friggin' country, but he wants to go 3,000 miles to the, to the other coast to fight at home against the same fighter. I, I don't understand how that makes sense.
0: I think he is too blinded by the affection and brainwashing of Al Heyman to realize that his advisor did him ill. Because, listen, he wh- did. while Frampton was the better fighter in this fight and while we think he's the better boxer anyways, to touch on what you just said, he Santa Cruz, had he been matched harder, had he not been coddled and babied, had he not fought five Mexican cab drivers in a row, yep. you know, had he actually been put to the fire and tested, I'm telling you right now, uh, Abner Mares, whose best days were at 118 pounds, four years past his prime, is not a test for Carl Frampton. And I think that Al Heyman and his team, maybe his father is, is, is a part of it too. And Abner Mars that we see can't even get a license to fight right now? Yeah. The same Abner Mares. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he has been coddled, and that, I'm not saying it was the difference in the fight, because I still would pick Frampton over him yeah. because of the styles. Of, a
1: rematch would be worse, by the way. If anybody thinks yeah. that Santa Cruz would win a rematch, it would be worse.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I completely agree. I just honestly feel that Santa Cruz was not prepared for the level of this fight, the power that was involved in this fight, the quickness involved in this fight. Come on. Stop sleeping on Carl Frampton, people. He makes it. He is a complete, complete
1: fighter. Makes adjustments, figures fighters out, finds rhythms, finds his spots, takes advantage. He's just, he's a fucking special talent. Whether you want to look at it like that or not, it's time to uh, wake up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ben, you scored the fight 115-113? 115-113, and Carl needed the 12th, and he got
1: it on my card to get that 7-5 win. It could have, I could have had a draw had Santa Cruz won that 12th round.
0: Yeah, I scored it 116-112. to 112. Um, I had no problem with the 117-111 at all because I had two swing rounds in my scorecard that I gave to leo santa cruz so had those swing rounds gone in the favor of, of carl frampton and those close rounds <clears throat> they weren't rounds that necessarily you and i agreed on or even uh you know, yeah we had different cards i think honestly i think the only person i mean i know there was tons of people that had the same score as mine i think the only person that had the same scorecard as me was steve farhood yeah i
1: think we saw it pop up after Dude. the sixth round you're like hey steve's got the same score as me i was like yeah I don't think you want to be saying that, <laughs> dude, if,
0: if anybody, I know a lot of you've been listening since day one, but if anybody's listened to the first 50 episodes of the show, I fry Steve Farhood religiously, <laughs> religiously because of his cards. And then, of course, on like the the fight that most people agree um, has been the best fight of the year, not necessarily fight of the year, but the best fight of the year, most entertaining fight of the year with the most on the line. Um, Steve Farron and I go uh, <laughs> just round for round, man. That's fucking perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. All right, right, let's real quick, let's talk about the future of, of, of Carl Frampton. We've talked about the idea of a rematch, whatever. Nah. It, it, come to Belfast. Later? Belf- Dude, come to Belfast or get the fuck out of here. I'm, exactly. not going, I'm not going to your hometown when I was already in your country. Do you want to make real money? Go to Belfast. Yes. You want to sell 20,000 tickets? Oh, but I don't know. I don't know. I've never been outside the country. I don't know. Oh, man, oh, man. All right, so the possible opponents. Yeah. I have a question for you. Why? I mean, dude, like, who thinks of this stuff? Is it Steven Espinoza? I think it's Steven Espinoza. Only he is a big enough dipshit to think. Well, you
1: put Espinoza and Debella in the same room. I mean, there's going to be some dim-witted shit that comes out of that.
0: So the result of this, the spawn of this, right? The spawn, of, even though DeBella will take credit for this entire card, which he was just the sham promoter for. Yes. Right? But the thing that completely blew my mind about this, the worst decision of this entire evening, was to put Lee Selby and Gary Russell Jr. on right before the Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz fight on a panel. When the first thing, before Vince, before you talk about the conversation that they had, I just want to say this. Why were two guys, two champions in the same division, who do not have a fucking fight scheduled or one on the horizon, sitting next to each other behind a fucking headset? Why? Why? Why aren't these two talking about fighting each other? They they didn't talk about fighting each other at all. Gary Russell Jr. doesn't know who
1: Lee Selby is. He doesn't watch boxing. (laughs) That was
0: one of the best comments of the year. How the fuck do you not watch boxing when you own a belt? <laughs> he does not watch boxing, then.
1: That is the most ridiculous statement. And then him, look,
0: I like the IBF belt, but the WBC belt's the money belt. That was that was fucking nails on
1: a chalkboard torture. Listening to those two, and nothing against Lee Selby; he's got the fucking personality of a tack. <laughs> that I mean, I. It's, it's fine. Whatever. It's like talking to a grapefruit. Yeah. Uh, th- he's got nothing to say and nothing to offer. That's the kid's kind of a he's a little slow. It seems <laughs> like <laughs> sorry, Lee, but dude, Gary Russell. <laughs> well, the tangent that Gary Russell goes on in, in this conversation is the most ridiculous. He makes a statement to start off like Lee Selby said he wasn't going to fight Gary Russell because Gary Russell was irrelevant. no. Gary, you're insecure. Nobody said no, that they didn't want to fight you. Selby said a huge fight would be him and Carl Frampton at home, which was the question that was asked to him, not whether he wanted to fight you, Gary Russell. So he, he like already had a, a premeditated response, like, you can't say that you don't know who I am and I'm irrelevant and not want to fight me. And Lee Selby's sitting there like, nah, dude, uh, I just said I wanted to fight Carl Frampton because he asked me would I accept Carl Frampton's offer to fight him. it's like Jesus Christ man
0: it was it was don't put the mic in those guys faces why would you put the mic in the faces of guys that don't like to fucking fight who who are these guys I mean honestly if you're tuning into Showtime and you're like at a friend's house you're like so uh these guys like the best uh well if they fought maybe why are these guys
1: talking to each other on the same stage and don't have a fight scheduled why can't they fight each other Gary (laughs) <laughs> gary is that you gary you're in a fight <laughs> gary you said you don't watch boxing
0: <laughs> no he
1: left right after yeah that. i'm sure <laughs> that's the most retarded fucking thing i've ever heard
0: oh that was just too much man dude it was so funny we watched who you want to fight gary i don't know i don't watch boxing <laughs> uh... <laughs> he did call him he
1: did call him lee salsby <laughs>
0: Remember when, remember when Danny Jacobs called Billy Joe Saunders Billy Lee? (laughs) Oh, fucking hilarious, dude! Oh, it's just too much sometimes, man. Boxing, I tell you what, man, it's the stuff like that. It's got characters, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I swear, that's the only thing that keeps boxing ahead of MMA for me. Is just. You can't fucking make this shit up. Well,
1: man. they don't they don't put the mic in the guy's faces in the MMA enough in boxing. They're just like, here, idiot. Say something. Speak. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. I got to gain my composure here for a second. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Frampton. Let's talk about what's next for Frampton, Ben. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of names out there. The featherweight division is deep. A lot of the featherweights are lined on the Al Heyman side of the fence. Right. Who do you not? Not what we're hearing, not what he's saying. If you could choose his next opponent, who would fight Carl Frampton?
1: Uh, if I could choose next, it would it would definitely be, absolutely, without a doubt, one hundred percent. Bring Rigondeaux's ass up to one twenty six, dude. It's a fucking legacy fight for Frampton at this point, man. Uh, even if he loses, do you think he loses any absolutely any not. regard amongst boxing fans anywhere? No, and I don't think he fucking loses. And I don't care what any Rigo fan that that's all over dangling his nuts.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not
1: I'm not buying it. Uh, you tell me, you tell me a fighter as good as Frampton that Rigando has faced in the last three years. Tell me.
0: No, nobody.
1: Yeah. Nobody. Do- Donaire? That Man. was three years ago. Yeah. And Donaire. I'm sorry. Frampton in his prime would have handled Donaire too. Man, Rigo. That's what I want to see. I want to see it because I want him shut up. And I want his fans shut up, and I'd love for Carl Frampton to do it.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, he stole my thunder there. <laughs> I mean, Rigo is the fight that I think also, I think Frampton can beat Rigo, and I would love to see that next. Why not? But just say you have to come up to 126. If you don't come up to 126, then just move on. Yeah. Give him that one opportunity. Uh, no doubt about it. I think the biggest fight for him next is the Selby fight.
1: Yeah, I think that makes the most financial sense. It's still a big fight, too. It's it's no smaller than the rigando fight by no, any means no
0: i mean it it look selby in the uk will do the numbers they want it to do oh yeah but him as an opponent if they were to bring it and put it on showtime boxing international or whatever um wouldn't do any more than a, a you know an opponent that we've never heard of here in the states yeah when, when's the
1: last time i mean, I, I could be way off but i feel like it's been a long time since the uk's had a unification fight two fighters from the uk in the same division unifying it's been a while
0: yeah if he wants a big fight, that's the fight. Absolutely, you know. I yeah. mean, I mean, I look the Gary Russell fight. Yeah, that'd be intriguing. But Gary Russell's little uh, tantrum that he threw about being relevant and being known, uh, that kind of plays in the possibility of making that fight. I because... would just say I'm not fighting him because he doesn't watch boxing. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's a casual. <laughs> Gary Russell's a casual. I want to fight casuals. I want to fight boxers. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think there's a, a more intri- you know intriguing fight. I agree with you on the legacy thing because Carl, Re- uh, you know, Carl Frampton is 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 rapidly um, compiling a really really nice resume. Um, <clears throat> to compound the achievements from the quick fight into this fight with Santa Cruz, would I take the rematch? Yeah, sure, I'd take the rematch. Uh, do it in Belfast. Move on to the next biggest fight. I'm kind of tired of hearing Rigo yap. Yeah. So I guess in that sense, that's probably the fight I want the most because. He's constantly running his mouth about. Oh, he this. was yapping after that fight, boy. <clears throat> I will say this though: during the fight, he was give he, all the positive uh, analysis that he was spewing out through Twitter throughout the fight. Um, he had some nice things to say about Frampton. He he clearly clearly defined him as the superior fighter in the fight. Well, let's not act like that was Rigondeaux, some guy. Some guy typing in English. He didn't have the... the. Uh, the I don't think those were direct quotes either. You don't think so? No, I don't think so, no. Did you see that picture that Ayers Landy Lara posted today yeah. on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> that picture where they, uh, somebody made Brooke... Standing face-to-face with the Golovkin. That is so damn funny, He was dude. like three and a half feet shorter. <laughs> oh, dude. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. He he tweets some ridiculous things. He does. But sometimes his pictures that he tweets out are fucking hilarious, man. Oh, you got to love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see, man. I hope he fights again this year. I doubt we'll see Frampton again this year. But if he does, give me Christmas in Ireland. That would be off the hook. Oh, I, dude, I think he needs...
1: I mean, I already think at this point right now what he's done he's the fighter of the year. Unless unless somebody unless Kovalev knocks out Andre Ward or vice versa, which isn't happening, I don't I don't see any other fighter that's gonna that's gonna be fighter of the year, but I would like to see him bookend this motherfucker with Lee Selby. I I, I realize the Rigando fight is a stretch. I would like to see him bookend in late November, early December with Selby in the UK. That would cement him if he won that fight as fighter of the year.
0: Oh, Carl Frampton versus Lee Salsby? Lee Salsby. <clears throat> no, Lee Salsby in the house. Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, man. Leo Santa Cruz, Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton comes out on top. One card, 114, 114, 116, 112, 117, 111. In favor of Carl Frampton. Vince, let's go uh, real quickly into the co-feature. Mikey Garcia versus Elio Rojas. Ben, everybody... <laughs> was just screaming, oh, Mikey Garcia in the two and a half years off has completely changed his style. He's an action packed fighter now. Didn't you see that performance against Elio Rojas? <laughs> and my first question is, Elio who who? <laughs> oh do, do you know who he just fought?
1: Rohu? Uh yeah, look. He looked he looked like the same technically sound. I'm not gonna take anything away from Garcia. No, no, I'm just fucking with him. as a fighter, he is he's fucking legit, dude. I mean he is technically sound as they come. Does it at times get monotonous and a little boring? Because he kind of takes his time taking apart his, his his opponent. Look, I come the third round in this fight. I was already like, all right. Uh, I sent out a tweet like, all right. Well, yes, Mikey <laughs> Garcia is back and he is boring everybody with his technically sound fighting again. But a round later, he's fucking finishing him. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. Look, overall he looked good. Um, he didn't look to be in the best shape. He looked thick. I'm sure he put on a ton of uh, poundage over the two-and-a-half-year hiatus of uh, just, you know, did the constant sitting down. He's probably sitting there during all those light checks and during all those sound checks when he's in that high-end studio being interviewed by Ellie Sekback. Um, you know what I mean? So he's, he's probably constantly getting, like, catered food. He's probably, you know, lo- lobster thermidor. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? He's probably just sitting there just stuffing his face during dude getting makeup done while Ellie is, like, getting in that, in that zone and in that moment and in that mood to be able to capture another Emmy-winning performance. So I think that's why he got fat. Hey, look, it's Garcia <laughs> boxing gym, too, man. I, don't know, I
1: mean, how many guys come out of that gym into fights oh, overweight? Yeah, they def- We've joked about they keep the taco truck parked outside of that gym. I mean, these guys—they have issues, dude. All
0: of them. Yeah. Do you think he'll get back down to uh, yeah. uh, 135? I, I think you saw that he had it to
1: give. He, he looked a little, yeah, like you said, not sloppy, but he had he had weight that he could that he could give. Dude, I think 135 and 140, uh, uh, both divisions are put on notice. I mean, that's Mikey Garcia coming back is. I don't care who you are, top five in both of them divisions. Uh, watch out.
0: So is I mean, would you say now? Confidently, after seeing Mikey Garcia come back and looking the way that he did after such a long layoff, would you say right now that he's the only threat at 140 pounds to Terrence Crawford?
1: Yeah, and he's a serious threat to Terrence Crawford, a very serious threat.
0: That's a legit fifty-fifty, right?
1: In my mind, Maybe. absolutely. That's a fifty-fifty fight next weekend. I don't. I really who, don't think Garcia. Who would you pick? <sighs> <laughs> I'd pick Crawford to win, but it would be a it would be a really really close fight. Hmm. I, I'd flip flop on that fight five times leading up. So, there.
0: what do you think about this this group of people? I don't even know w- what they are, where they are, where they're from. That go immediately into the defense of Mikey Garcia, um, talking about how he's free. He's been freed from the chains of Bob Arum and top rank. Oh, Mikey, congratulations on your comeback. Now you're free to do whatever you want with your career, and you're not being held back by the man. Um, He was due to make a million and a half for his last fight for top rank Mm -hmm. and made $375,000 as the co-feature.
1: Yeah, I I was waiting for Kriegel. But he's free. Yeah, I was waiting for Kriegel to ask the real question, which you just said right there. How does it feel... To be making four times less, or what? What did he make in this fight? Two fifty?
0: No, three seventy five. Three <laughs> seventy
1: five. Yeah. So three times less, basically. Yeah. Than what you would have been making. How's that feel? Are you really free, or did you just cost yourself a shit ton of money because you outpriced, you overpriced yourself in a market that was at the time we now know everybody was overpriced? Oh, absolutely. Because everybody's price is coming way, way down. So you should have been. Oh,
0: that was the housing bubble
1: that burst. Yeah, you should have sat fat and happy on that one point five million, and just like a bunch of fighters, Broner being another one of them that turned down a ton of money. Yeah, you cost yourself,
0: man. He would have he would have fought six times. He would have made ten million dollars. You can't tell me where you are now financially is better than where you would have been. He missed up. He missed ten million dollars. Yes, he's an idiot. I mean, three hundred seventy-five thousand is a lot of money, and he's free now, so you know well, he yeah. is able to soar to the highest reaches. When you,
1: when you put a, a, a ten million number in front of me and say you could have had that if you did this, or you can have this three seventy-five k four years later, and we'll see what
0: happens. Hey, you want to sit around and get fat and talk to Ellie Seckback and have yeah. your have your brain turned to fucking re- <laughs> retarded goop? You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, you want to do that? Get fat? make 375000 or stay in shape, become really famous, become really rich, and become so famous and rich that your next contract pays you double what you're already making.
1: He'd probably be a three-weight division champion by this point yeah. if he had kept fighting. Sure. I don't doubt it for a second.
0: Hey, man, he's free. Then? <laughs> <laughs> free at last. Paulie Malignaggi, the new Brooklyn
1: champ yeah (laughs) that was a fucking joke man that fight was terrible this is a legacy builder for 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 paulie oh yeah it is i mean you can't who has left a hall of fame career without a obscure city belt on their way out
0: (laughs) who's in the hall of fame that has as many losses as knockouts (laughs) where that number is seven
1: I get it, man. Good for you. You like keep you like to keep fighting. You love boxing. That's awesome, Paulie. But <laughs> do we have to keep watching it? Can you just do it somewhere and not televise it cuz nobody cares anymore. Yeah,
0: man. I think that uh that movie theater that you fought in over in Italy, I think that that uh there's some openings there for uh, t- uh two or three months man, from start now. Start a high school gym
1: tour or something. I don't know, but stop getting on TV. Please stop <sighs> putting them on TV. Hey,
0: Paulie. Yeah. Dude, Paulie. Come on, man. Double duty,
1: too, for Paulie, huh? Double duty. Oh. Win the belt and do some announcing. Dude, did you see his nose?
0: Yeah. After the fight? Yeah. Oh, dude, his nose got broken in that fight. Yep. I'm sure it did. Poor
1: Paulie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking hypocrite. Uh, fucking boxing's biggest sellout. Fuck yeah. Paulie Yeah. Anyways, Adonis Stevenson versus Thomas Williams, a duckness gets in the ring. Thomas Williams kind of earned his way into this spot, at least in the thinking of one that is in the business of trying to justify why Adonis Stevenson has fought fucking schleps yeah. his entire career. Uh, Thomas Williams just was not skilled or athletic enough. He seemed to have heart. Uh, seemed to have some moments when he got in close to Adonis Stevenson. But I'll tell you right now, Adonis Stevenson, for as much uh, you know, shit we give him for being a piece of shit as a human being, mm-hmm. um, as much crap and, and just grief that we give him for his choices later in his career, especially now as an established champion. Yep. I will say this about Adonis Stevenson. He's always in shape. The motherfucker, even at his age now, is still one of the most athletic fighters in the world. And his left hook, as much praise and uplifting as we have done in, in chronicling the career and the rise of the Crusher, I got to say this, every time I watch this guy, especially now against a more formidable opponent, his quickness and power in that left hand is something else, man. It really fucking is, and, I, and that's about all I have positive to say about this guy.
1: Well, yeah, look, here's what you saw in this fight was Thomas Williams made a Donna Stevenson fight. So you got to see a little bit from Stevenson and you went, yeah. It kind of made you go, "Oh shit. This fucking guy was a beast." That's right. He he used to do this. This is this used to be a Donna Stevenson. You have to go. You know, you see that, and you have to think to yourself. I, you know, him to say that Kovalev would walk through him, I think, is a bit of an overstatement. I I really do. Uh, As much as we think Kovalev is a great fighter and and a great boxer, and, and a far superior than Stevenson on a boxing level. Sure. That left hand, that straight left is a fucking eliminator. Oh, it
0: is the ultimate equalizer in this sport. I don't care who you are. There's no fighter. I don't care
1: how good your chin is at 175 pounds. He lands that on your chin, and it's night-night time.
0: Yeah, for all of the dick riders of Danny Garcia out there that are still jerking their meat over that fucking left hook that when he knocked out that uh, 105-pound Rod Salco with, you (laughs) think he has a fucking powerful left hook? Watch you some film on Adonis Stevenson, but I will say this. That little shotgun, I don't know, it was like a shotgun, check hook, shotgun, almost. Just a cross, straight cross. Yeah, a little cross. The angle at which the camera caught that punch was right on angle level with his fist flying towards Thomas Williams. That happened so fast. Dude, it's a shotgun left. That thing went...
1: Oh, and the the cock of the shotgun was pulling the glove down with the other hand to to create space for that punch. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a a thing of beauty. You know, it's just, where's he going from here? I don't know. It was a fun fight. That was a hell of a fight to watch. I enjoyed the hell out of it. That's the first time I had fun watching a Stevenson fight in a year and a half.
0: And it started off the weekend well. Cannot. Actually, you can say this. The undercard, the lead into this fight, was probably oh. the worst undercard I've seen in the last two years yeah. of, 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 a, of a fight that involves a world champion. Yeah, it was bad. It was very bad. I mean, we're going to see one where we don't even recognize names coming up on the Audrey Ward fight on that undercard.
1: That's terrible, and there's a couple PBC on ESPNs coming up that don't, that got like five fighters that five fights that don't even have
0: opponents yet. Yeah, on the card. It is uh, TBA's for Life. Yeah. Yes, TBAs for life. Um, yeah, so what's next? Um, I kind of care at this moment Yeah. while we're recording this show. I would say that Adonis Stevenson, I will, I will gift you, and this is coming from a guy who thinks you're a total duck and want no part of meaningful fights and just wants to cash checks. If you want to do that, then go ahead and do it. But I'll tell you right now, I'm going to give him a, a window. My window is I want to hear his next fight announced within the next three months, and it better be against somebody in the fucking top ten. I would prefer that not to be Elder Alvarez because he is one of the most hideous technicians on the planet, cuffing the same cloth as Saki Bika.
1: You know that's going to be it. I mean, don't hold your breath. I
0: know because he's the mandatory.
1: Yeah, he's the mandatory. It sells in Montreal. They're both Montreal-based fighters.
0: It's going to happen. We're fucked. Yes. In In Quebec City, and he'll come out, and after he knocks him out, he'll do his dance, and then we'll see him against three more schleps before he retires.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they were trying to rebuild from far to that. He obviously fucked that up. Now you got Joe Smith who beat... I'd like him. to see that fight. Well, Joe Smith and who's who's he fighting in an eliminator coming up? I can't remember. It's slipping my mind right yeah, now. Yeah, slipping mine too. But it, there's just not... The PBC universe of, of light heavyweights and really the light heavyweight universe beyond Stevenson, Kovalev, and Ward is very thin.
0: Does a cash-out fight ever happen if they're able to get the career of Artur Beterbiev back on track? Does a cash-out fight against Adonis Stevenson ever happen? I mean, at this point, Baturbiev's 32... And he's fought once in the last year and basically is a nobody still. Yeah, he's a a complete unknown. The brakes are completely on. He's at a complete stop right now. Yeah,
1: he needs three fights just to reintroduce himself,
0: to be honest. And will Stevenson be around for as long as that takes? No, I... I mean, it looked like it was heading towards, like, eventually, it better be going to stay on, on pace. Mm-hmm. It looked like a cash-out fight against Adonis Stevenson was going to come within the next two years. But, I mean, that's got to
1: be their plan, because I don't know who else they have in the light heavyweight stable that could step up and take that mantle. There's really nobody. There's absolutely nobody.
0: Well, good for you, Adonis. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Hey, we watched. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it live. You were right about that. I did watch it live. Yeah, I watched it the next morning over uh, Tea and Strumpets. <laughs> 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 oh, all right. If I know Mary Shulman, <laughs> right in for Tea and Strumpets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually watched that this weekend, man. That movie's so funny, man. Also on Saturday, then, we had Antonio Orasco versus Abner Lopez, Jojo Diaz versus Victor Proa, HBO Latino, Orasco. I'm not sure he won this fight. He lost. <clears throat> yeah. He lost. Yeah. That was some home cooking right there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Abner Lopez put the beat down on him. He walked him around that ring.
0: How small did Antonio Orozco look in the ring? How big did
1: Abner Lopez look? I know. I mean, yeah, that, that looked like a mismatch. And for a kid like Orozco who's been dying to get a shot and can't seem to fucking get it and to have this happen, look, it was a draw, right? No, he won. No, he, actually, he won. Yeah. Yeah, that, that looked. That was a robbery. <laughs> it was.
0: Oh, man. Let me ask you a question about Jojo Diaz real quick, okay? What was up with the man bun? What was up with that haircut, man? That thing was... It's like, Dude, man... It's you, millennials. You, millennials man <laughs> bun it up all day long, but he, brother. But he didn't have any... He didn't have a fucking beard. I thought Damn, the whole man drive bun... drive around
1: thing. D.C. for a half hour. I'll, I see about eight man buns an hour. I'm telling you. Why don't you grow one? You, have you seen <laughs> that spot? <laughs> He's a fucking chia mix back there. <laughs> I might grow something. Oh,
0: dude, you could do the reverse man bun. You know what I'm saying? You, you do. You look like a bad guy from like a 1980s action movie. Uh, I, that, no, that's not happening. Dude, Seagal was kind of bald on top and had a ponytail. <laughs> Danny DeVito was totally bald on top and had a ponytail. I ain't doing that shit, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to keep dragging it on. But Jojo Diaz's man bun. <clears throat> that was something else, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. He caught the uh, Brooklyn strain in California. Yeah,
1: he did. Look, my boy is fucking electric. Oh, he's awesome. His fights are unbelievable. I'm not going to go into detail. We've we've been sweating this kid for a long time, and you've heard it plenty of times if you if you've listened to the show. This dude is going to be in fight of the year candidates for the next five years. He's cut from that cloth. I I don't think there's any doubt about it. When this guy gets in against the best, he is going to put them to the fucking Test, my friend and you better be ready to go as far as he's gonna go oh dude he's fucking athletic he's so i mean look he gets a little when you, when you compare him and valdez you, you, jojo diaz is a little bit more of a i want to say freelance but he's he, he lets himself go a little bit more and goes after it a little bit more dude i can't wait for an eventual matchup between those two hopefully within the next two three years
0: oh dude that that is the fight of the future yes it, it has to happen <laughs> Dude, Jojo Diaz's accuracy in this fight, I love the way that Diaz stays so compact. He stays so inside the shoulders of his opponent. Dude, that fucking left hook was, uh, dude, it was as
1: compact as you can
0: get and on the button. Yeah, his accuracy was something else, dude. He looked in great shape. He looked strong again. Every fight we've seen him as he's matured and gotten a little bit older, we definitely noticed it in his last fight. That he's starting to fill out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think before he was probably just making 126. He's probably eating whatever he wanted before fights. Oh, yeah. Now it looks like he is a strong 126. We're starting to see his physical regimen, his dedication in the gym, turn him into a stronger fighter. Um, And I don't see somebody that can punch that hard and that accurate. He may not have the one-punch knockout power of an Oscar Valdez, but JoJo Diaz's power is concussive, serious fucking power, dude.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's not power that you're going to want to get touched by. Whether it knocks you down or not, it's going to make you think twice.
0: Oh, he will chin check you. Yeah. Chin checking its own, I reckon. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so well, let's to wait and see, man. Joseph Diaz looking for the same kind of opportunity that came the way of Oscar Valdez. Ne- needs a big step-up fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there you have it, man. That's the uh, the post-fights. So we move to our preview just one ah (laughs) are
1: you excited then uh no we were talking before this and i said i don't even know if i'm gonna watch this fight live
0: then give us a preview
1: um no then um dude andre ward's gonna fucking destroy alexander brand and if he does not get alexander brand out of there in eight rounds and it is a major disappointment in my eyes i'm sorry that's the only way i'd see it I don't. I don't care if you're coming up and you're a small light heavyweight. You're not a big puncher. Get this fucking guy out of there, man. Go for it. Get a buzz started around you before this Kovalev fight. Because I'm telling you right now, the Ward Kovalev fight does not have nearly the fucking buzz that it should have right now. W- whether it's this fight still has to happen and it's three months away. After that, there there should be huge buzz for this fight, and there's nothing. So, Andre Ward, do yourself a fucking favor and eliminate Alexander Brand
0: quickly, please. Ben, if all this conversation going around the Kovalev-Ward fight right now, you know, there's a lot of criticism in the matchup selection that Sergey Kovalev made in fighting Isaac Chalemba, and mostly because those that were making those kind of comments had not ever seen Isaac Chalemba and didn't even realize that he was a top 10 fighter in the world. Right. That, to me, says that Kovalev is very serious about this Andre Ward fight. To me, and I don't care what Andre Ward says because most of what he says is complete bullshit. I mean, all you have to do is pretty much follow his hiatus from boxing to realize that you can't really put much weight behind what he says. He wanted to fight Golovkin, though, Jim. Yeah, yeah, first fight back. (laughs) First fight back after not doing shit for three years. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to fight Golovkin first fight back. Give me a fucking break. I'll tell you what this selection of opponent tells me. Andre Ward, if he was really taking Sergei Kovalev serious, if he was really taking Sergey Kovalev as serious as everybody thinks he should, mm-hmm. he would not be fighting Alexander Brand. I'm no, sorry. This is, this is a sparring partner. Total disrespect. This, this is this, not even a good sparring dude, partner. Dude, Chalemba would stop Alexander Brand in probably four or five rounds. Yeah, and that's why Ward needs to do the same fucking thing. But why is he fighting him? Why is he not tuning? Wh- Dude, Schabransky would have been a better fight because at least he would have seen straightforward Damn, power punches. too much of a risk there, Ken. Risk to what? Your fucking ego? <laughs> Nobody knows who fucking Alexander Brand is. No. I, 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 I don't get it, man. I, I don't, I, you know. Huh, who- is that the guy who invented the light bulb? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it's fucking pathetic, Vin. The fact that it's
0: on HBO is even worse. Who wins, Vin? Ooh, it's a fifty-fifty fight, Ken. I, heard, I don't know, dude. I heard that Ward's not getting paid his his premium for this fight. They were like, "Listen, he ain't getting. If you need another million. fucking, if you need another fucking two night, and this is the guy you're going to fight with no undercard to speak of. This is the only fight that's going to be televised next week. Well, that's one thing he's got going for him is the boxing fans. They're only taste of the boxing, only option yeah
1: it's gonna be andre ward that's a good point i'll fucking be watching i, I you know i say i'm not gonna watch but you know what saturday night rolls around at the end it's andre ward and i i did used to love watching andre ward fight
0: you know what i think about that ben what do you think that, <laughs> <laughs> that's what i think yeah
1: i mean i can't blame you for thinking that but
0: hey you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean dude that's what it makes me feel like you know what i mean It makes me feel like taking a dump You just want to, I want to watch Andre
1: Ward fight, but I don't want to watch him fight Alexander brand. There's no point for what Uh, I'm sure I can. I I got a pretty, pretty good idea of what's going to happen. So why don't I just read about it the next day and go, that's probably, that's pretty much what I thought was going to happen.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking for the post fight for Ward uh, versus brand next week, uh, we will have Uh, The tale of the tape, uh, uh, I don't know what we'll call it, we'll call it the boxing rant, we'll call it something. But your boxing dose from the two of us will come on the debut episode of Sports Rant Radio. You'll have the links right where you find the links to the boxing podcast
1: that'll just be that one episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be, talk we'll, we'll be back to regular.
0: And remember, we're we're, we're going to be speaking to a more general sports public, but we're not going to we're not going to dumb it down, we're not going to water it down, but what we are going to do is try to bring some levity, some reality, and a little bit of sanity into the expectations and the anticipation for Kovalev versus Ward, and we're going to try to do it justice because even though we get no cut and we kind of think that Rock Nation Sports is deplorable in their boxing efforts, and, you know, I mean, we don't have any ties to main events or anything like that, but this fight's important. If you love boxing, you're not going to find a matchup of two better fighters, because if you like Santa Cruz versus Frampton, I'm going to tell you right now, Kovalev Ward in November, that is as high a skill level fight that you could make in this sport right now. Yeah. I mean, the only one that he's even comparable on a skill level would be Chocolatito versus Estrada, too, but this Far surpasses that because of the size of the fighters, the pedigrees of the fighters, and just the just the power and the boxing ability.
1: Yeah, and it's just guys that everybody has seen a lot more of. they you know they may not be mainstream, but they're a lot more mainstream than than uh, Chocolatito and Estrada by a long shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll give everybody uh, the first taste of Sports Rant Radio, the new audience out there. We'll give them a taste of the tail of the tape, and that's where you get your boxing from us until it picks back up, and then we'll come back with episode one twenty eight. And uh, pick up right where we left off. But we're not going anywhere. No, absolutely not. He's got a new show to pitch, man. Oh, it's going to be sick. Tune in. Subscribe at Sports Rant Radio. All right, real quick, just one note to talk about. Uh, Ludabella says that uh, this fight is in serious discussions. What do you think about a little Terry Flanagan versus Dejan Uh, Yes, please. You want some Zlati versus Flanagan? I think it's a great fight. I love it. Uh, huge, huge opportunity for both fighters. One, for Flanagan to solidify the reputation we think he's kind of going towards, but he needs to get on path with a good fighter. He's kind of a taking advantage. Huge. huge and advantage. Huge. And a huge statement. Yeah. If Zloty. Unification fights are where it's at, man.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely is. I, I love what they're doing in this division. The
0: winner fights Lenares versus Kralas winner?
1: Mean, yeah. You know, as on the lower end of talent-wise that this division is, at least the four best are willing to fucking go at it. I mean, that's what we want to see from every division.
0: Well, and, and you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, Jorge Linares is probably, I mean, it's, it's kind of easy to see when you watch film on all these guys, the best fighter out of all of them. Yes. It's just he has such a suspect chin. Oh, so vulnerable. <laughs> so vulnerable that his vulnerability kind of, it's like the equalizer for his skill. Yeah. Because his is. skill, accuracy, and power, he's one of the most slick and like easy on the eye fighters to watch. If he can stay on his feet. <laughs> Indeed. But if he doesn't, that means you're in for a treat. Oh, it's always, his fights are always good.
1: I guarantee you Flanagan, Zloty Cannon will be a great fight.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it, man. Great fights on the horizon. Vince, we are inching ever closer to Glavatsky versus Usage. Thank
1: God. That right now, I'm, dude, that's on my radar more than Kovalev Ward. I'll be,
0: I'm, serious. Well, it's two months before it. I guarantee you, once that fight ends and and uh, questions are answered, right? Kovalev Ward goes full steam. Yes, but
1: as of right now, yeah. and and leading up to this point, that has been the fight that has been on my radar. Besides Frampton Santa Cruz, is that fight? Kryla Lenars is another one that I think is going to be a fucking excellent fight. You know, th- this fucking year shaping out to be
0: okay, pretty good. It really is pretty good. Was uh, Santa Cruz? versus Frampton better than Thurman Porter? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of people out there trying to say no, but I think that uh, this definitely is. Yeah, it was better. It, it may not be fight of the year. It's definitely a fight of the year candidate. Um, so far, the most exciting fight of the year. You know, it's like Vince and I talked about this actually pretty much right after we finished watching the card live. Talked about how, you know, lo- you know looking back to 2015, it was pretty easy to pick the fight of the year from 2015, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily our favorite fight because we both I, You know, mentioned in that conversation that Lemieux versus Endom was a fucking firefight for the ages, man. I mean, I know Endom ended up getting knocked down all those times. Right. Well, what a fucking fight that was last Oh, how year. many
1: rounds did he win that he didn't get? When he didn't get knocked down, he was
0: winning rounds. Yeah, yeah. but I think Santa cruz Frampton will definitely get its fair uh, consideration for fight of the year.
1: Absolutely. I think it's neck and neck with Salido Vargas. A yeah. lot of people say Salido Vargas is better. I'm probably in that camp, but it ain't much better. No, And I could see somebody saying Santa Cruz Frampton was better.
0: Well, I guess it's fair to say, once again, Carl Frampton is rising.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: Carl Frampton does the deal. Uh, Big step up, big notch up, enters into the pound for pound conversation. Just, Just to kind of put the conversation to rest, folks, not bringing you a prospect list anytime soon. The no. prospect list will come at the end of the Need year. To see some more, man. Yeah, along with the top top ten pound for pound. You got to realize it's been not to say it was easy to select the list for 2015, but we did have some holdovers. Yeah, I mean this year we got eight new guys that we have to pick for this list, and that's not to say that the two were left over are even still on the list.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm not half-assed it either. I'm I'm going to find me the guys I want on that list.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, indeed. So there's no doubt it will be coming your way. But we will take this break here over the next few weeks but you will be able to listen to boxing on the same channel like i said before the tale of the tape boxing podcast on itunes that's where you'll find it sports rant radio will have its own channel but you'll find the links on the boxing site so tune in spread the word of the new show subscribe at sports rant radio we appreciate all of you uh that tune in and we hope you become a part of our new venture here in uh In the podcasting universe, but you've been tuned in to the pound for pound king of boxing podcasts, the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Follow my co-host Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. Follow the show at The Boxing Rant. Subscribe iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher. Subscribe today. Leave a review on iTunes if you have not. Already, congratulations to the United Kingdom for becoming more than half of the listening audience to the Pound for Pound King.
1: Unbelievable!
0: <laughs> uh, but we appreciate step all of up, listeners. America. Yeah, <laughs> step up to the plate. Get it together. We appreciate all of you tuning in once again to episode 127 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast: The Tale of the Tape. Muchos gracias, everybody.